Bruce Newberry. The food dude. Food dude here. My Wayberry Inn is proud to be participating in Share the Harvest, NOFA Vermont's annual fundraiser for the Vermont Farm Share Program. Farm Share provides subsidized CSA shares for limited income Vermont families, helping to make fresh local food available to all. Join us this October as we make a donation to support this great program. In past years, we donated a portion of one-night sales at the inn to NOFA Vermont Share the Harvest. This year, due to COVID, Share the Harvest is going to be a little different. It's going to be for the entire month of October. The Wayberry Inn will donate $10 to Share the Harvest for every $100 gift card sold. Gift cards never expire, can be used for lodging or dining, make great gifts and stocking stuffers, and can be mailed. So call 388-4015, 802-388-4015 to purchase a gift card or stop by the inn Wednesday through Saturday from noon to 7 p.m. Wayberry Inn, always a good investment in time. Solomon Bayer Pact from Farmers and Foragers, uh, great to have you with us. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. I really appreciate you having me on and uh, giving the opportunity to speak on your show. Well, it is uh, so great to be able to talk to you. You have uh, had such an exciting summer, and we first got word of you with that brown butter lobster roll you were doing in the summer. That thing, uh, it didn't take long for us to become a lobster roll truck this summer. You know, we've <laughs> always had some staple dishes, but it was uh, we couldn't believe the initial response. I mean, of course, everyone loves a good lobster roll, and, but we would have phone calls from all over and people just making sure we had the lobster roll that, you know, to make a reservation or pre-ordering 10 lobster rolls for, for wow. a night. So it was quite a, quite a catch. And, you know, obviously what Ethan Wood is bringing us from the Boston Fishing Pier uh, each morning fresh is just unbelievable. Um, so it was exciting to, to see it take off like that. And uh, obviously um, lobster is something that's not, when you're getting fresh lobster meat picked, picked daily, it's, uh, it's not cheap, but to have that kind of response from from the public, it, it became obvious that we needed to always have it. And something that if we get through a Sunday and we sell out uh, for Sunday brunch, folks are definitely disappointed. So I've tried my best to order enough to to make it through each week. And uh, yeah, it's just we we like to rotate our menu, but that was obviously one that wasn't going to go anywhere once we started selling it. So. That was great. It it makes sense. I mean, you're organic, locally sourced, uh, the best from the best, and I think that's a, a great reputation to have, and I think people appreciate that. So it stands to reason that even though a, a lobster or a scallop doesn't come necessarily from a forest, uh, you've got the great quality. You had some nice scallops the other week. Scallop tacos. Yeah, we've been rolling the, the scallop taco here. We've done different tacos all summer, or different scallops, I should say, all summer. We've, you know, we've done ceviches and um, you know, boys with them, but I, I'm really psyched about the most recent uh, interpretation here. Ethan's been bringing us these U10s, which are just big Ooh, and juicy yeah. and wonderful uh, day boat scallops. And so we've been doing the, the blackened rub on them with a, a nice cumin base there. And um, again, it's just another one of those that, uh, you know, it's just the right combination of things. I guess uh, we have a reservation tonight that <laughs> confirmed we'd have the tacos before booking. So, you know, trying to keep people happy. And uh, it's really. While we, you know, to, to 
have this resource now in Vermont, you know, this was something that wasn't available when I was growing up. To have, have uh, Ethan coordinating fresh fish to come to our area uh, is just something that uh, we're so excited about and, and is a reason we want to have it each menu feature um, his selection because it's really, it's incredible stuff he's able to bring us. So Definitely. It, it makes it easy when the product that, that tastes to begin with, you know, we don't have to do much on our end. You bet. Saul, you're still at FNF Dockside for the next few weeks, right? We are. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna keep it going. You know, we we got a beautiful week ahead of us here. It's seventy each night. Uh, yeah, forecast. Pretty excited about. So, um, you know, we're gonna try and just keep keep uh, the season going. I think people are starting to realize the winter's coming. You know, not to not to put it in Game of Thrones terms there, but um, <laughs> you know, I think it's kind of a where uh, you know, they, they people want to still eat out while while they can, and and you know we're we have the tent set up. We ha- we're getting some space heaters delivered on site to nice. try and keep things warm within the fire marshal's words, of course. So it's really a little tricky, but we're going to figure it out so that everyone's nice and toasty and doing things like oysters Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, uh, fresh oysters. Also, from Ethan, uh, we're doing lots of music Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, and obviously the Sunday brunch has remained a staple. So we're just trying to trying to make it fun through the end of the season here we'll keep going as long as people are wanting to still come out and dine with us so well we do want to come out we (laughs) want to come out and dine with you and everybody wants to come out and wants you to stay open we want you any way we can get you Saul. i mean that's the the truth with you and and everybody else that's on the street and on the strip and in the truck and in the inns and every place we want our restaurants our food trucks to be open any way we can get them so believe it and uh you you, means a lot well, it's it's a fact, you know, and you've got this great following that you've built up, and just in these two stories we've been talking about, really, about how people put their faith and trust in you, and they know that you're going to turn out the quality. And so, look, uh, everybody wants to see that kind of quality continue and do well. And you and I were chatting kind of off stage before we came on here about mm-hmm. how people want to have that that you know going out experience even if it comes to pass that that we can't get out you know this thing called winter in vermont so you're uh, you're trying to fill the bill and maybe trying to see into the future a little bit you're thinking about maybe uh getting getting meals for us that we might be able to have f and f at home absolutely and that's something that we've you know as we finish up our season we're looking to continue to build um just the the classic takeout delivery um, standpoint, we're going to build both of those options, you know, being able to order ahead. We've always had the pickup options where you can call in or place an order online and pick it up, but trying to get creative, it's, it's, you know, we've been so fortunate to have this beautiful space right on the Burlington waterfront um, that, you know, I've almost forgotten at times that, like, that's that's not normal right now. People aren't, you know, we've been nice and busy and and so blessed that people coming out each night and enjoying the location, Um, but that's going to go away soon, you know. (laughs) We've thought about trying to stay open down there with fire but the the harsh reality of, of being right on the water there uh, come winter time, you know, it just it's just too many logistics with our current infrastructure set up. So we're trying to think of ways that yeah, bring bring a dining experience home, not just through your classic takeout options, but maybe through a meal program. We're talking to other proprietors, uh, phone brewers, our neighbors who we've been so close with over the years, um, you know, to to see if we can have these packaged options where order order a meal once, twice, three times a week, and we will we'll have it prepared and brought fresh, and you can have the option to kind of finish it off yourself. So we're, we're, we're having fun getting creative and talking to friends who are, frankly, in a, in a pretty um, 
you know, pretty scared place right now. It's been a tough year, and, yep. and while we've been fortunate this summer, we recognize what's coming with the winter. And so, you know, trying to get creative and see what might be out there, too, with our mobility uh, and kitchen that we'll, we'll continue to have this winter. We want to maybe try and create an outdoor dining experience, if, if of course, we find a way to keep people uh, <laughs> from freezing. So, you know, it's all part of the challenges, but, you know, we're used to it. Uh, for sure. It's, it's certainly, you know, it's a tough time for, for our industry, but... Uh, you got the right people to try and figure it out. So, well, you're um, you're you know. proving how resilient you really are, and how resilient this business really is. Let me ask you this from a from a guest point of view, and using the mm-hmm. example of that person that called up and said, "Hey, I'm going to come to see you, but if you have those scallops, what other kinds of menu items are people asking you about that either you're going to keep on, or maybe that you might bring on as we kind of transition sure. seasons here?" Yeah, well, you know, we've always had our staples. Um, you know, the cheese, this, the Vermont cheesesteak, that, that happened with that dish years ago where we just realized we couldn't go to an event and not have the cheesesteak. So yes. we've gotten well well uh, equipped to make sure that that's on. And, and that was our first signature. Um, and just one of those things where, you know, it, it's, it, yeah, you, you can't, I don't know, you can't go to a cheesesteak place in Philly and not get, have the cheesesteak available. And we right. kind of became the cheesesteak truck at all these events. Uh, and I just knew we always had to have it. So that's that's certainly the oldest and the OG uh, in terms of our, our must-haves. But the last role, join that club. The perks is something that we'll always have in one way or another. Uh, either as a oh boy, we've been doing it lately as two tacos, and it's my favorite interpretation of it to this point. It's really um, really just an awesome fish taco. Uh, we're doing a, a hickma, uh pineapple salsa right now that, that brings it home so nicely. So, um, yeah, you know, the, those are those are a few of them. Um, you know, and then the truffle fries, of course. So whenever we, we put out to people, hey, what kind of meals do you want to make sure that we're providing? <laughs> we always get the cheesesteak, cheesesteak, cheesesteak back. You know, that was <laughs> probably prior, prior to this season. It will probably be the lobster bowl in return. Maybe not the, the easiest dish to <laughs> prepare yourself, if that's something we were thinking about doing. But at the same time, you know, we could have some fun with that and, uh, you know, figure out a way to, to let people bring these, these dishes to their house. So we certainly want to hear from you. If there's something you know you would want to get from us, and that's what it's all about is, being able to provide something that people are going to be excited about. So definitely it makes sense to start with some of our signatures, but then we're also trying to think of a lot of our food is, is our menus designed to be cooked fresh and served to you right away. So getting creative with things we can do that also going to be great uh, 20 minutes later in your home yeah. uh, or that we can just be finished off simply in the oven or something like that. So um, it's, it's uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're excited to, build the next set of staples for for those menus as well yeah so for this weekend you're definitely going to be at the burlington harbor marina yep yeah we'll definitely be at the uh burlington harbor marina through mid-october so that like october 10th 11th 12th weekend um we will probably open until at least then and then weather weather watching you know from that point on um so yeah, we're excited. We're you know the Wednesday through Sunday hours. We did adjust our Wednesday Thursday hours to be four to eight, just because it was getting pretty chilly from eight to nine on a Wednesday Thursday. But um, Friday Saturday we're still open twelve to nine, and Sunday doing the brunch ten to two. So um, yeah, we're gonna keep those hours. We're gonna keep doing the live music uh, and the oysters, the, all the hats we can try and provide. Um, to, to make the season go as long as possible. You bet. And uh, we will definitely, uh, we want to see you there. And uh, hey, who knows? A little help from global warming there, Saul. And uh, yeah. you might, we might be all right, you know? <laughs> it's, it's funny who your friends end up being, you know, obviously not, maybe not the, 
the best situation to be in or a joking <laughs> matter, but at the same time, we'll we'll take benefits when we can. We and, will take it. A slightly longer summer. You know, you bet. So. What's the best way of reaching out to you at Farmers and Foragers, Saul? Absolutely. Well, thanks Thanks for asking. Um, you can give us a call, 802-557-5074 is the uh, number at, at our dockside location to check in, place an order ahead, make a reservation. Uh, we are also on Resi. Uh, that are resi we're farmers and foragers dockside to, to make your reservation online if you rather do it that way uh and then our website btfarmersandforagers.com uh that has all of that including our online menu a link to that online menu where you can go and you can order ahead um so something we're updating daily to to show our our fresh selections uh and if you ever want to just give us a call and confirm the menu or get a drink as well the, the takeout law you gotta love that you now do yeah uh, Spoos to go, so people. Have <laughs> it's the lifeblood, man. It's the <laughs> lifeblood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, that's one thing that will stick around. One benefit we've had from this pandemic, where we can now, we can now get a, a beer to go or you a bet. cocktail to go with your your meal. So you bet. I'm with yeah. you from your lips. Uh, it really should stick around, and it has been such a lifeline, literally for uh, you yeah. on that side of the table. And uh, so hopefully it's something that we can see that, hey, you know what? The world did not end. The large cracks did not appear in the Earth's surface when we started doing booze to go. So let's keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> Solomon Bayer, yeah, fact, yeah. it's so great to talk to you. All the best. And uh, we'll see you dockside. We'll see you wherever you end up. I really appreciate it, Bruce. Thanks so much for the opportunity. And hopefully we'll see you and talk again soon. You bet, my friend. Thank you very much. For us parents, the end of the workday signals the beginning of our other full-time job, the care and feeding of our family. When everybody comes home and everybody's hungry, you can smile when you hear those three little words, what's for dinner? Because you know you've got Gaspar's on hand. Gaspar's Linguisa and Chudis, an easy and delicious meal starring your family's favorite. Gaspar's is just what you and your family need after your hard day. Made with lean cuts of quality meats and authentic natural spices, Gaspar's lends a special flavor to so many of your family's favorites. Spaghetti, chili, pizza, sandwiches, omelets, baked beans, soups, so much more. Gaspar's comes in slices, franks, cocktail bites, and the traditional sausage. And Gaspar's linguisa and churis are readily available at all major supermarkets. For all the flavor with less fat and calories, try Gaspar's turkey linguisa and churis. Gaspar's for over 95 years. It's the Portuguese sausage that the whole world can enjoy. In the Dave's Marketplace Broadcast Bistro, Food Dude Bruce Newberry. Joining me on the line is the Executive Director of the Federal Hill Commerce Association, Rick Simone. Hey, Rick. Hey, Bruce. How are you? I am good. Great to have you with us. It is a nice day. We won't need blankets this weekend for sure. Thank God. Thank you for having me. <laughs> but you know what? It's the spirit of adventure, and I think that just might, it might save us, Rick. You know, I, I agree. I got to tell you is that I think Rhode Islanders overall are resilient, and the people that we see coming here from other states certainly are fond of our being creative and the things that we're doing. Uh, you know, just a fun little fact to throw in just to, to make us laugh again, calamari sales have gone through the roof <laughs> over the last month. Just have to put that out there because it's amazing to see. So that's great to hear. The calamari aren't thrilled about it, but that, <laughs> everybody else is. That is that's great news. It really is. And uh, one of the stories of success has to be Alfresco on the Hill on Federal Hill. 
and the fact that uh, people just discovered that it was such an enjoyable experience to be able to just bring a little bit of a piazza in Rome or Calabria or some such place to Atwell's Avenue. Yeah, it's, I got to be honest with you, it's beyond all of our expectations at this point. 14 weeks is what we have been doing this for now. Wow. And we evaluate it month to month to see, you know, how long we can go, what we can continue to do with it. We're up to about 20, I believe it's 28 restaurants that are participating on a weekend, uh, every weekend, Friday and Saturday nights. And it's amazing to see that much of Atwell's Avenue closed down. It's about 14 blocks. And what's been even more amazing is the guests. I mean, we're, we get the guest counts in every Tuesday and Wednesday from the restaurants, from their reservation systems that they send us. And we're averaging about 18, sometimes 19,000 people a weekend between all the restaurants. And wow. people are coming out. And the really important thing to keep in mind about all this in our current pandemic state is that they're in safe environments. They're right. in, this isn't like it's 18,000 people wandering up and down the avenue at one time or standing around. They're coming up, taking a stroll, going one place for dinner, maybe another place for their dessert, but they're making their reservations. They're sitting down and abiding by all the guidelines. It looks amazing. It feels amazing. And the support has been tremendous. It is nothing short of remarkable. And I mean, a discovery, how could we have ever arrived at this? Who would have thought it? Who would have envisioned this absent this pandemic? Yeah, it's it's tough because, you know, we look at it. And when I first started looking at this back in April to create this environment and this experience, it, it, it looked like it was unthinkable. It looked like we weren't going to be able to make it happen because it's just never been done to this scale with this many places and this much space. And, you know, we've never had the opportunity. There was never right. a way. There's not enough space at the individual restaurants to do anything beyond maybe six, seven tables unless you're located in Deep Esquire Plaza with the four restaurants that we have there. So it's just never been out there to do. And I think this environment helped us get creative and helped us realize that there are things we can stretch our imagination to do. And, you know, the, the, the big thing for us now is next year, we're going to want to do this again. Yeah. Of the climate we're in. So. Well, that's just it. And the, the fact is that we've discovered that all of these things are possible. And at some point, someone like yourself has to ask yourself i know i'm asking myself why couldn't we do this before and what why is it that we can't keep doing this yeah i think before you know honestly the motivation didn't seem to be there people knew that they'd be busy or have their busy moments they had things to concentrate on to keep the restaurants going as they did in general terms so i think before there just wasn't uh you know a motivation to make it happen this unfortunately the situation created that motivation and now the feeling is no one wants it to go away. Right. And, you know, that that's part of the reason we announced, you know, the other day that we have um, worked with the city and with the state to be able to extend the Alfresco experience on Federal Hill going into at least the end of October. Um, and then we also made arrangements for what would be Columbus Day weekend this year, which, you know, unfortunately, you know, we have to admit and say to ourselves that we can't carry on the traditional Columbus feast that we would normally do. Yeah. So, so this year we've created a different experience based on this El Fresco on the Hill model to carry that through so that we can still have some type of coming together and some type of celebration. But it wouldn't do it justice to call it the Columbus Feast and we don't want to mislead people. So we're sure. not calling it that this year. So. so we're not calling it the Columbus Day Feast. We're, we're just kind of extending El Fresco on the Hill. How, how will it work, Rick? And what are the dates and times? So Alfresco on the Hill traditionally is just Fridays and Saturday nights, and that's what it'll be no matter what through the month of October. For Columbus weekend, it'll be Friday night, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, and all day Monday. So it's a big expansion of that footprint. Um, 
we will be celebrating Italian heritage because that is a tradition of ours even during the feast all weekend long with restaurants doing specific specials. We will have live entertainment up and down the avenue, which is fantastic. Unfortunately, you can't dance, but you'll mm-hmm. have some nice ambiance music. Um, and then we've got an expansion of places coming up. So some of our traditional friends that would serve sausage and peppers that everybody loves and enjoys so much will have that opportunity to enjoy those. Vendor ravioli will be out there with the ravioli stand as they usually are in addition to their full dining. So that's what's going to be different is it's going to be a combination of majority of this full dining where you can either make a reservation, come to your walk up, have a seat and enjoy for a couple hours and then stroll for a bit if you want. Um, but the whole goal is behind it this year is we have to find a way for everybody to have a seat while they're eating. And we're creating these little vignettes throughout the avenue of extra seating capacity for people. So you'd be able to go to the sausage and pepper stand or the ravioli stand and get what you want, get your sausage and peppers, and then go someplace and sit and and have it that way. Absolutely. And we, we're praying for a gorgeous weekend like we're experiencing right now so that everyone can... Uh, Enjoy my favorite pastime on Federal Hill, which is people watching with a nice glass of wine. So. <laughs> yes. No better place and still plenty of people to watch and and no shortage of people. Let me ask you this, Rick Simone. How has this worked? How has this translated in terms of loyalty to restaurants? Have you noticed? Do you have any anecdotals that you can share about people who have, have come out? We never thought they'd come out and we've been all through that. But I would think that that really is tremendously it would engender tremendous loyalty among restaurants even restaurants that people have been loyal to right along how about it so i'll give you a specific example because there's one that comes to mind with this is that we had um federal hill was slated to have seven new restaurants open up in 2020 wow of that we've had uh two restaurants and a bakery that actually managed to open and stay open during this time frame one which is sage kitchen brand new just opened up a few weeks ago um, Bush Bakery, same thing, opened up a few weeks ago. But exactly three weeks before the pandemic hit us and the closures came into place, a little trattoria called Baco opened. Small 28-seat trattoria directly across the street from Venn Ravioli. The gentleman that owns it was the general manager at Zuma for, I believe, seven or eight years, mm-hmm. so Armando Viseglio. So Armando had a following from Zuma, from people that knew him, loved him. He's a wine guy. He's a southern Italian food guy. And he literally was open three weeks before he had to close. So that made everybody fearful. Would he reopen? How would we, how would he go? What would happen? He went to a takeout model where he was doing family style takeout, which was fantastic. And talk about a loyalty factor during the pandemic, during the close, you know, where we were closed, people were coming up and ordering their food, not one day a week, sometimes two, three days a week. Wow. They were ordering their food to show their loyalty. And then when he opened, Okay, he, he had no set guidance of, oh, I have every customer that comes every Friday night or I got every customer that comes every Sunday. He didn't have that because he was only open for three weeks. Right. So all of a sudden he's established this following in this loyal crowd that every Friday you can see the same people walking in the door at 530 or coming to say we want to sit outside at 730. Is that it, right? It is. And it's an amazing thing to feel and see. And, uh, you know, when you ask that question, it's the first thing that comes to mind, because every Friday, that's my spot that I start out getting ah. closed, getting the avenue ready. And I see these same people that are coming that every Friday. Right. That's amazing. But and, and look what we're saying, Rick, because I've been saying this right along. It is the customers, it is the guests, it is us on this side of the table who want this so badly. And we want our restaurants to be open pretty much any way we can get them, as is evidenced by this new place that came up from from zero. That's incredible. 
It is. And I, I got to tell you, again, you know, I, I always say that our restaurateurs are creative, resilient. The staff is creative, resilient. The guests have shown that they are the same thing. And these past two weekends when the weather was really chilly at night, I'm talking it was like 42 degrees one night up on Federal Hill. They were there. People were out. They were sitting outside. Restaurants were gathering what heaters they could. People were wearing heavier clothes. They really wanted to continue to be out there. I don't think anybody wants to see this end or know that someone's failure is imminent because of it. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to be in for big challenges because we absolutely are. Um, it's going to be scary to see how things go the colder the weather gets. But again, we're going to be pleading with our guests to understand that we're creating the best environment we can for them, not only outdoors, but yes, indoors. And right now, thankfully, we have not seen a problem with our guests eating indoors. If anything, our problem that exists right now is we don't have enough room for them wow. with the current guidelines. With the uh, with with the effect, it's not even a capacity. People people tend to uh, get hung up on the sixty six percent, and and you're telling me, and it's a great insight. That's not the big issue. The big issue is the spacing of the tables. Correct. There is no restaurant that I work with on Federal Hill or even throughout the state of Rhode Island that is able to get to sixty six percent inside right now. Not with eight feet distance. Not with the eight feet distancing. It's not that people don't want to come in. It's right. that it's that you can't fit them because the tables have to be eight feet apart. Exactly, which is we're an anomaly when it comes to this. If you look at the other states, specifically throughout New England, Massachusetts, Connecticut, even Maine and New Hampshire, their occupancy levels vary back and forth, but their distancing is all six feet. And and that's where it, it becomes challenging for us is that that's that extra two feet makes a difference to the point where, you know, a traditional restaurant, if we're going to try to get through this winter. I think traditional restaurants would make it happen and get to the point where they could finagle to keep their six, not, you know, not necessarily success, but keep their tables vibrant, the guests happy and the customers going if we could be between 50 and 55% occupancy. Mm. So I think that you'd see us willing to give up a higher occupancy for a lower one with less spacing to still keep everybody healthy and safe and, and keep the restaurants going. Interesting. Do you see that as these other states start to open things up, Connecticut just announced they're going to go to 75% in a couple of weeks. Massachusetts, as you point out, is going up. Do you think that that might put pressure on Rhode Island and Governor Raimondo to perhaps look at things differently? You know, honestly, I would hope so because we've been more aggressive in our approach and the governor has done a great job in listening and hearing and having us all be a part of the process. Um, with the Commerce RI team. So I would hope that that happening in our neighboring states would put that additional pressure for her to continue that approach with all of us. And in her inspections with the Commerce Inspection and the, the, the Department of Health Inspections, the restaurants have been by and large compliant. I mean, overwhelmingly compliant. And uh, in fact, t tell me if I'm wrong, your restaurateurs wanted to be known that they are inspected on a regular basis and are passing routinely. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they've welcomed the inspections. I mean, I can tell you that on Federal Hill, in one version or another, there's inspectors up there either every Friday or every Saturday night. And we and and that's in the midst of what's the busiest time of the week for them. And the restaurants are still welcoming it because they want the guests to see and understand that they're going above and beyond. And you and know, they're passing. You know, and they're passing. Yes, they're passing flying colors. They are. They are. There uh, is. There's not been a report of any problem with an inspection from a restaurant located on Federal Hill. No, no. And and the rest of the state too. You know, everybody's doing their part and doing yep. the best they can. And a lot of this at the beginning where there was warnings or different issues, you have to remember it, this is a giant learning curve of course. to adapt to these regulations. And not only that, it was incredibly expensive 
Well, that's the thing. And and back to the economic issue where uh, restaurants and and I get the I get the reluctance of restaurants to want it to be known that things are going something other than dire uh, because uh, it we don't because they don't want the impression to be created that they don't need help. But what they need help with specifically is the increase in overhead and the impact of acquiring all of this PPE and all of these protective measures. And the heaters and all of the rest of this stuff. Right. And there's been programs and things that have come out. But when you have a loan program, that's still a loan. It's still money that has to be paid back at some point. Sure. Like the EIDL that was put out by the federal government. The PPP was helpful, but it ran out in a time frame that, unfortunately, I hate to say it was ineffective because it was the beginning of all this when, even though it's been stretched now, people are gone. It's used. The money's gone. Right. Um, you know, and then the governor did a grant program that was $15,000. And, you know, as much as that is nice to hear and, and for people to get that, it was gone. I mean, $15,000. I mean, I've got bars and restaurants that had to put plexiglass up for their situations. And the average cost per location was $19,100. Wow. So, I mean, you're, you're talking, and that's average. So that's averaging small places and middle-sized places and big-sized places. And that's that's a tremendous expense when you don't have any revenue coming in at the beginning there. So uh, it, it's these are the things that people don't necessarily hear or think about from the position of where we're coming from. Well, there you go. Now the the fifteen thousand grant, the small business grant, there's still that money available because we had Lieutenant Governor McKee on, and he says that mm-hmm. a lot of small businesses just haven't applied for it, uh, and the the streamlined uh, process has been streamlined, Correct. and that he encourages uh, businesses to go and apply for it. I hear what you say, but you know what, fifteen thousand dollars is fifteen thousand dollars, and uh, so I, I would certainly encourage any uh, restaurant tour within sound of our voice here in Rhode Island to uh, go to smallbusinessri.org and at least look at it so that uh, you can at least avail yourself of something that's out there. Yeah. And the new process, like the Lieutenant Governor, you just said that he had uh, mentioned to you, the new process that came out this week was much easier and much more feasible for businesses to do at the beginning unfortunately it was just a little cumbersome and i think that's what distracted some people from not wanting to do it yes it was tremendously cumbersome and the paperwork uh if we can call it that has been slashed it was it was like 12 hours of you know person hours of work now it's down to about three uh so there's always going to be some accountability but at least it's it's a step in the right direction and again 15 grand don't leave that sitting on the table Exactly. I wouldn't tell anybody to do that. You know, there, there's an important factor, too, in all of this beyond the, the financial side and the pandemic for its dilemmas is that I think that overall before this, most people, and this is not just in Rhode Island or in Federal Hill, but most people didn't realize how regulated restaurants really are. They are some of the most highly regulated from a health standard business. They're probably second to only hospitals when it comes to this. Yes. And, I, you know, and it's funny because when the regulations were coming out, Half of the sheet that you would see that came out in uh, May and June, half of the sheet the things that restaurants were doing all along. Yes. The other thing that added the tremendous expense, like the plexiglass, the dividers, the PPE, but from a cleanliness standpoint and an airflow standpoint, these were all things that have been thought about and done for years and were part of our, our normal regulations. And I think that as we get to the point where more people are going to be eating inside, that's important for guests to understand that th- this is not new to us. This is you know not something that we're not unfamiliar in handling. Yes, excellent point. And uh, and think of how safely we have dined all of these many years 
in exactly. 3,000, 5,000 restaurants and counting the donut shops and the lemonade truck and all of the rest. Uh, there have not been the issues of cleanliness or, uh, or any of that stuff right along. So that's an excellent point. And it's something that, again, we never stopped to think about, but uh, it was something that was going on. And now it's literally life and death. Exactly. So terrific. Exactly. So uh, we'll get ready for a great, great uh, a weekend uh, in coming up in a couple of weeks there on Federal Hill. And who knows, Rick, I'll say it to you. I've been saying it to everybody else in five states. We get a little help from global warming. Who knows? This thing could go till December. I'd be, you know, I'll be honest with you this year. I'd be okay with that. Right. So I'd be perfectly okay with that. But we have a lot to look forward to. We're asking everybody for their patience and continued help. But please join us up on the Hill, you know, probably Fresco weekends, Columbus weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, sir. All right. Hey, always glad to talk to you. I know that you are out straight and it is much appreciated. You know that. And I'm happy for your time. Thanks very, very much. Thank you, Bruce. Have a good one. All right. Take good care. There's Rick Simone, uh, the Federal Hill Commerce Association, getting it said and getting it done in uh, one of America's dining landmarks, really, and a different story than you're hearing. Chris Newberry. Well, we're on the line with Lou Perella at the pasta machine. Hey, Lou, can I interrupt you for a minute? How are you doing? I'm doing great, Bruce. Everything's great. Good, good, good. Man, oh man, we're just uh, seeing each week these amazing pastas, and it's this whole pasta education that you're giving us here. We are learning so much, and it's so, so good. You're really putting that pasta machine through its paces. Yeah, well, I mean, most of the pastas that we're actually doing are uh, are our handmade pastas. Right. You know, we're we're rolling out the dough and then uh, cutting the pappadelle by hand and, like, the peachy which is a uh, looks like spaghetti. It's sliced thin off the sheet and hand rolled and, you know, mixed with that. And we have that peachy pasta with a, with a meatball ragu, we call it. So yes. we take, you know, one of my meatballs, and then we break it up and we saute some uh, fresh garlic and parsley and a little bit of uh, uh, onion and then toss the meatball in and add the, we had actually add our marinara sauce to it, which mm. we don't use for our ragu. And then we um, add that that hand rolled pasta. It's like a like we resemble spaghetti because I mean people love the meatballs that we had here. Yes, and, you know we did the restaurant uh, impossible thing. Robert Irvine said your meatballs aren't good; they're just big. Well, we have a lot of people that feel differently, and they've requested the spaghetti and meatballs again. So. Brandon, who's been helping me with the pasta, decided, uh, let's do a peachy pasta, P-I-C-I. Yes. And, um, yeah, it's, it's you, you, you know, you roll out the sheet, you fold it, you cut it, and then, you you know, it's like the size of spaghetti. In it's like, hand, a, it's it, like a fat spaghetti, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, no, it's, I mean, you can roll it at, at, to any thickness. Yeah, I guess it's a little thicker than normal spaghetti, yeah. so. So that's you know, especially <clears throat> good with sauce, and especially with a sauce that has so much. Yeah, it's, substance it's almost in like it. uh, spaghetti and meatballs. Yeah, yeah. So that's you know really really been uh, well received, and we got the meatballs back on. So people that want meatballs, one person read about the peachy. Said, "Oh, are you making the meatballs again?" They and they ordered 10, 12 meatballs to go. Wow! Said, Give me ten. I'll make it twelve. <laughs> So well, I hope you back gave him, the, I hope you gave him 13. Yeah. He actually, <laughs> he actually, uh, I couldn't fit 13 in the pants. So. 
it's probably a it's probably a design story there with that pan somewhere. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, probably. Lucky for me because so, I would have thrown that extra one in. I look forward to seeing those specials every week, and you follow uh, Porello's Restaurante on social media, and you can see the specials. They're posted every week, and now it's getting to be okay. What's going to be the pasta of the week? And you've got another really inventive one. I had to go looking for this one. You're making chitara. Chitara. I mean, it's 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 nothing new. It's made on like uh, it's kind of a mandolin with like guitar strings on sure. it. The strings run from one end to the other. You roll out the dough to your desired thickness, and they, I mean, they have a a large. It makes like a square pasta. Yeah, it's not flat. It's not round. It's square, and you you cook it in um, just like you cook any other kind of fresh pasta, but. With this one this week, we're making a carbonara. So, you know, we're. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's starting with, you know, the, the oil and the pan. And then we cook down the. He adds a, a little bit of uh, pasta, pasta water that the pasta is actually cooking in. Romano cheese, some black pepper, some fresh ground black pepper. And then he folds the pasta back into it and cracks an egg yolk into the pasta, which gives it a nice, creamy, rich taste. And yes. uh, I like the runny egg on top, but, you know, a lot of people are funny about eggs, so we just incorporate it right into the dish. And everybody that's had it, this, oh, I'm how, how crazy. Pancetta, I'm saying oil. We start with the pancetta, render down the pancetta. Right. And uh, that's what we that's what we start the base with. Got it. So there's pancetta in the carbonara in peas. We add peas. No which kidding. Which is not a traditional. Yeah, which is not a traditional. But when my grandmother made carbonara, she always added peas and prosciutto. You know, kind of like Alfredo with peas and prosciutto. Sure. We never had Alfredo. I don't even think we ever had cream in the house. So. <laughs> I mean, this has no cream at all in it. So it's just. People say, "Oh, is there cream in it?" No, there's no cream. That's just, the texture, though. It is so yeah, rich. Yeah, it's, it's the it's the the fat from the rendered pancetta, mm. and then you add the pepper and the cheese, and you know you make like a base, a little bit of the pasta water. You add the pasta to it and crack that egg into it and just stir it up and add your fresh grated romano on top and delicious. It yeah. sounds so good, and uh, that pasta is so interesting. It, uh, as you say, it really has kind of a kind of a kind of a root in the mandolin, almost like a yeah. guitar. And there's a connection between that word chitara and the word guitar. Correct, correct. That's where it comes from. Yes. So, so uh, yeah. it really is uh, an amazing thing. And look, it makes for great table talk. You can just hey, and a- you know, so I mean, Barilla. My grandmother used to make this all the time, and Barilla made a Jatara uh, pasta for a little while. Really? Which I absolutely loved, because, I mean, it obviously brought me back to my, my youth and to my grandmother making it on the back porch, and then it went away. I guess, you know, just, but it, this is fresh, so mm. it's not dried, and you know, the flavors of the, the pancetta and the oil just got soaked up by the pasta. And, you know, and you top it with fresh grated, you know, Romano cheese. And 
You've got it. Oh, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it just sounds so good. Pretty now, wonderful. Lou, when you're making your pasta, are you you making a semolina pasta or are there some yes. other uh, some other greens that you're using? Yeah, no, we use just a fine semolina. Nice. If, uh, yeah, well, it's their egg pastas, mm-hmm. you know, unless we, you know, if we use, we use double zero for um, yes. making like fettuccine eggless pastas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. But so no, we're just, yeah, we're using the, uh, it's the real semolina. stuff. Oh, so yeah. good. So good. So you've got, uh, we've got the peachy, we've got the chitara and then uh, the bucatini for the Stan Ross. Cause the Stan Ross now is coming out over the bucatini. Correct. The bucatini is like, you know, a fat spaghetti with a hole right through the middle. It's, it's, it, it's such a, you know, it absorbs the, the Stan Ross sauce right in the pasta itself. And, mm. you know. And then we're using the Papadel for the bolognese. So, oh, I mean, boy. the bolognese was always a, was always a uh, house favorite, but now with the fresh Papadel, it's you know, it's flying out of that kitchen. Yeah, it's you know, it's one of the one of. The, seems like every time a party orders, there's always a bolognese on the. Yes, slip, it so. is a favorite. And then we uh, we have uh, gnocchi this weekend too. The gnocchis, yep, we're making a potato gnocchi. Where mm. We used to make just a ricotta cheese gnocchi. And we're um, cook, we're blanching them, sautéing them with uh, escarole. Right. And, like, frying them up, browning them off. And then we're serving it with the uh, terrace major, which is like a petite filet. Right. Sliced and served over with a uh, balsamic reduction. Right. And it is really, really rich. And that Terrace Major is just so, so tender. It is really an incredible cut. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's found. It's like like a filet mignon out of the shoulder. Right. You know, they're finding all these new cuts out of the... Yeah, the animals which that we never used to talk about, like tri-tip. You know, it was uh, right. You know that, and the Terrace Major is, uh, as I have said a few times over the past few weeks. I think since you started, since you started serving it, uh, when I was spending time with the folks who, uh, with the uh, Black Angus beef, we talked about things like that all the time. But uh, it really is a, a great discovery, and it really shows. It really shows a little bit of knowledge if you if you know beef. Uh, you're going to really enjoy it, and it really says a lot about the chef and, in turn, the butcher. Yeah, we, you know, and, and that's the kind of thing. You know, we break it out and we mm. clean it up, and uh, and you can buy them all clean, but, you know, yeah. then we use the the rest of the filet or pieces for the grind it up and add it to the bolognese. So oh, yeah. we, get the, we get a lot of good use out of it. You're really going old school between breaking, uh, <laughs> making your own pasta and uh, then uh, doing your own beef like that. That is an incredible thing yeah. that you're oh, doing. You, you know what we did yesterday? What? We did a pig roast. Did you? Yeah. Wow. For, uh, for, for Wild Tree. Oh, Wild Tree is a great company. What a tremendous yeah. success story. What a, one, what, what a wonderful group. Yes. They were the, they were. The nicest, nicest people, you know, I, we were trying to get into the test kitchen, but because of the pandemic, they, they would, they let us look, but not go in, but sure. Well, you know, yeah, they, uh, they're incredible. They're giving a lot of folks, a lot of good work and they have uh, just really been kind of under the radar for a long time, many years. And uh, what an incredible company. 
Wow. Yeah. So. Well, that's great. And, and isn't that wonderful that they, they are treating everybody who works so hard there to a great Luparella pig roast? How about that? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, the, 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 uh, Ingrid called me and she said, I guess she she's Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. And she usually does it in one of those cookers, the square ones you put the charcoal on top. Yeah. And this year, they, because they have so many employees, she, she said, I just couldn't do it. So they say, you know, we know that you do pig roast because we did one at Denison Pharmaceutical a couple oh, yeah. of years ago, and um, which is on the same street. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so we went we went down yesterday, and you know they had everything spaced, five people at a table, a tent. Yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty remarkable company what they're doing with this gluten free and yeah. Really amazing. They make a lot of things that, and they carry labels that you would recognize, and they actually produce many of yeah. these great brands. For yeah, for these big companies, I'm like, yeah, I never even, I even never even knew it existed. I, you know, I went online to say, okay, what's Wild Tree, and the next thing I knew, I was like, oh my word. Well, they so, were, I, I became aware of them. They were packaging coffee syrup uh, for a company oh, that, I, that I used to right. work with. Yes. And so they were doing tremendous, tremendous work. And uh, again, they worked so hard. And when I would go before the pandemic, of course, you would see a lot of these other famous names that you would recognize right off the bat. <laughs> and they're produced there at, at Wild Tree right in Rhode Island. Yeah. And I got like 50 employees now and. That's it's, great. Uh, it's quite a quite a wonderful little kind of people. Are just you know, as good as can be, and it's just hard work. It's like they're really happy to have a job and happy to be there, and and the staff and the uh, management. You know, they had a little gathering for them and told them, you know, hey, if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be here. So there you go. How nice, nice is to, that? How nice yeah, is that? In in the face of all of this, to hear that that is still being done, fantastic, and uh, great that they called you. And, yeah. <laughs> Worked out well. Sure. Terrific. All right. So you're there this weekend. And uh, tell us your hours these days, Lou. Okay. So we're open uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We open at 3 on Friday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Noontime on Sunday. And we're, we've been closing early, but like we were here closing at eight but last night we were here right till nine so all right now that it's getting darker earlier and people are out later uh you can't run home and go to go out and barbecue because it's already dark so right so come you know, and see lou yeah we'll be <laughs> back to uh we're, we're on louis hours right now exactly because <laughs> that's what i told him i said don't worry about what the door says you're hungry you come in and we're gonna make sure that we can get something for it what's better than that nice going all right as always all right my friend thank you very very much great to catch up with you as always good talking to you bruce all right bye-bye